Hello. Good morning and welcome back, you beautiful, lovely people. We are Everything With The Girls. I'm Grace. I'm Lydia. Why did I say that really weird? <laughs> Lydia! I feel like there was a really big delay there. Really? But this week, do we have a good case for you? Oh boy. This has quite possibly been one of the most interesting cases I've read about or researched. But just a little listener discretion. It's gory and it's horrific and it's not for the faint-hearted. So... I mean, we all love true crime and murder here at Everything With The Girls, but if it gets too much, then I totally understand. You can sit this one out. It's fine. Do I get the option to sit it out? Because I'm not sure about this now that you've put in that warning. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So Lydia purposely hasn't read the research notes that I've written because she wants it to be a surprise. And I'm telling you now, it's going to be a surprise. (laughs) Okay. I've never even heard of this case. Yeah, so today we are discussing the kidnapping and the murder of Junko Furuta. I'm going to call her Junko, well, we're going to call her Junko throughout the thing because it's it's a Japanese case, there's lots of Japanese names, it's going to get hard. So Junko is her first name, if it gets confusing. Um, It's otherwise known as the concrete encased high school girl murder, so that is as gruesome as it sounds. Yes, that is exactly how it sounds. Um. Uh, I know it sounds like she was murdered and buried in concrete, maybe even buried alive in concrete, but trust me, it's far, far worse than that. (laughs) So let's get into it now, I guess. Brilliant. What an introduction. I mean, I don't know if I'm ready now. (laughs) You're going to be ready. I think, to be honest, I think the Jamie Bulger case last week is just a bit like it traumatized me a little bit you know what i've had to start giving myself breaks when i'm researching now because some of the cases that we're doing are like hardcore now yeah but i think to be honest i think if we weren't bothered by the information that we say that would be yeah there'd um, be a problem yeah so yeah let's just get into it shall we because it's quite also quite a big case this week very in-depth um okay so yeah. Are we going to have a lot of opinions? Mum, this might not be one that you want to listen to when you're walking the dog. Ooh, okay. See, sometimes I know what to expect when you give your mum a warning. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> so like, I know it's more the like really gruesome cases or the ones where it's like women getting taken off the side of the road that sort of thing and you give your mum a warn and I'm like okay if Claire needs to be warned then I need to be warned <laughs> I don't know if she does need to be warned to be fair I'm just doing it out of like habit now she might be yeah. you know she might be a tough true crime now for all we know yeah she's like will you give me some more credit please Grace <laughs> this week we are talking about Junko Furata who was born in Misato, Japan, on the 18th of January, 1971. As a teenager, she attended Yashio Minami High School. Sorry, already butchering the Japanese language. I mean, we know I'm going to be terrible, so let's just... I know, I know, I know. We're going to... There's lots of names, but we're just going to go for it, and everyone's just... Yeah, just... um, Bear with us. So Junko worked part-time during the weekends, and after school um, at a plastic moulding factory, saving money that she earned and putting it towards a trip that she had planned after her high school graduation. 
yeah, I don't know what a plastic molding factory is, but she works there and she's like, she's a good girl, you know? She lives with mm-hmm. her parents. She has an older brother and a younger brother. Um, and in 1988, not long before she was abducted, she had been accepted um, at an electronics retailer for when she graduated. So she was going to go work there after graduation. She had her life planned. She was taking her education seriously and she had really good grades. So she's a good girl all around. Junko's a good girl. Yeah. So on November the 25th, 1988, Hiroshi Miyano and his friend Nobuharu Minato wandered around Misato with the intention of robbing and raping local women. At 8.30pm, they spotted Junko riding her bike home after she had finished her job, her shift at work. Under Miano's orders, Minato kicked Junko off her bike and fled the scene. Miano, under the pretense of witnessing the attack by coincidence, approached Junko and offered to walk her home. Junko accepted this offer and was unaware that Miano was leading her to a nearby warehouse where he revealed his Yakuza connections. Wow. Yeah, so we've got a little bit of Yakuza just dabbled in there. I have a question. Yes. What on earth? would how old are these boys i imagine they're teenagers right so these boys yeah they're teenagers so there's two right now in total there's going to be four boys that we talk about yeah (laughs) and they are all like high school boys from like 16 to 18 i think they are yeah so what on earth would possess two at this moment two teenage boys to have the intentions to go out and rob and rape women but you know what? I wish I could answer that for you, but I can't because, as we've talked about before, there's like psychopaths are their whole a whole other category, a whole other kettle of fish. Yeah. Even last week when we were talking about John Venables and um, Robert Thompson, there were ten year old boys who purposely went out to find a little boy. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. I couldn't tell yeah. you. So, my first question is what is the Yakuza? Because I didn't know. I knew it was like, it's like the Mafia, I think. Okay. But I didn't know. So I looked up. Yakuza are members of transnational organised crime syndicates originating in Japan. The English equivalent of the term Yakuza is gangster, so they they are kind of like the Mafia. The Yakuza is known for their strict code of conduct, their organised thief nature, and several unconventional ritual practices, such as amputation of the left little finger. So apparently that's like a telltale sign. If 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 a Japanese man's missing his left little finger, he's in the Yakuza. Okay, that's I a know. weird fucking thing. I okay. know, I know. I mean, why would you not just all get rings or something, or like a tattoo? <laughs> Although actually, Isn't I think there... in, Japanese, in Japanese culture, like tattoos are really taboo, aren't they? Yeah, they're like... Um... Well, the weren't they like illegal for a long time or something? Yeah, and I think I've seen some videos um, in places where it says like you won't be allowed won't be allowed to go into spas or swimming pools and stuff if you have tattoos on show. In yeah. Japan. Got it. Yeah, but no, I suppose it's a bit like the. Um, I'm sure there are two gangs, maybe like New York or somewhere where. The one gang where all wears blue and the other wears red, and that's how you differentiate who who the gang members are or something. Oh yes, yeah, so that's Bloods and Crips. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, same kind of thing. Um, 
So at their height, the Yakuza maintained a large presence in Japanese media and operated internationally, so they're well known. It's not like they're an underground organised crime. In the in the 1960s, they were at their peak and they had a membership of more than 200,000 people. So they're a big, it's a big thing in Japan. That's a big gang. Yeah. So that's what the Yakuza is. And Miyano, this guy, this prick, is part of the Yakuza. So Miyano takes Junko to this warehouse. And it's at this warehouse where he rapes Junko for the first time. He then takes her to a nearby hotel and rapes her again, this time threatening to kill her. From the hotel, Miano calls Minato, who's the guy that kicked her off the bike, and two of his, of his other friends. So you've got Joe Ogura and Yasushi Watanabe. Four boys. And they bragged to them about the rape. Ogura reportedly asked Miano to keep her in captivity in order to allow numerous people to sexually assault her. The group had a history of gang rape and had recently kidnapped and raped another girl who they had released afterwards. Why on earth are they not in jail? If they've released this girl and they've kidnapped and raped her, what? I Honestly, on? I couldn't tell you. They, I mean, obviously, they people must have found this out afterwards. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Because there's also, at the like near the end of the case, there's another woman who I think they killed and they were never actually found guilty of that murder. Okay. I think, yeah. I don't know what's going on, but they're getting away with lots of shady stuff. Yeah. I mean, it says that they've recently kidnapped a girl. That could have been, like, the day before. Yeah, literally. Yeah, it could have been. Shit, yeah. Shit doesn't happen that quickly. Like... Okay. So, let's talk about these boys. And we're going to call them boys because they do not deserve to be called men, do they? Oh, no, they are boys as well at this point. That's what's scary. They're like, yeah, between 16 and 18. So they are still boys. Yeah. So firstly, we have Hiroshi Miyano. So Hiroshi, famously known as the leader of the four, was born in April 1970. Both his parents worked and the family was kind of well off. Like, yeah. But it was highly dysfunctional due to Miyano's aggressive behaviour. So this could have been a happy family, but because he was a prick, he fucks it all up for everyone. Yeah, exactly. Miano had been aggressive since primary school. His behaviour included vandalism, stealing and bullying, and he was becoming increasingly violent towards his parents. He left school, became a tyler, and joined a motorcycle gang. Because who doesn't want to join a motorcycle gang, let's be honest. That's true. If anyone's watched Sons I just of Anarchy, want a, you know motorcycle yeah. gangs are where it's at. Yeah, I just want a leather jacket like with a patch on the back. Why not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but he also started to commit criminal offences, such as causing bodily harm, unauthorised entry into buildings and theft. He eventually became unhappy with his low wages and started associating with people from Yakuza. Also, fun fact, he started inhaling paint thinner because, again, why not? Why the hell not? Because that's the solution to everyone's problems is to inhale paint thinner. Exactly. Each to their own. Each to their own. (laughs) You spend a Sunday how you want to spend a Sunday, honey. Yeah, you do you, (laughs) 
Joe Agura was born in May 1971 and his parents were separated when he was young and he lived with his mother and his sister. He had next to no contact with his father and he was very good at sports and never showed signs of violence until an accident while skiing in 1986 that meant he was unable to carry on with sports. Is that an excuse though, mate? Like, mm, find another hobby, yeah? <laughs> I'm so judgmental, aren't I? <laughs> I mean, I think we're allowed to judge these people. True, true. I don't judge nice people. Exactly. Yeah. He became lazy and unmotivated and began spending time with other troublemakers. They all find each other some way, somehow, don't they? Yeah, they do. Nobuharu Minato was born in December 1972 and both his parents worked together with his father being a pharmacist and his mother was a nurse. While at primary school, he started causing trouble with threatening behaviour and shoplifting. He became verbally and physically abusive the older he got and constantly rebelled against his parents. He never attended school and would stay out all night and mixed with bad company. Minato and his elder brother's brother's rooms became a hangout for the local gangs and faced with their son's violence, the parents felt completely hopeless. Yasushi Watanabe, the final boy, was born in December 1971. His parents were divorced and his father was killed in a traffic accident. Watanabe had also dropped out of school and was placed under probation in 1986 for domestic violence. He had a small record for minor offences before the kidnapping and murder of Junko Barotu. The boys all met in middle school and began to hang out at Minato's house. As a result, a small gang of violent teenagers began to form. So they're all pieces of this shit, basically. Yeah, so they all have, like, criminal records, like, minor criminal records already. Violent tendencies, like... I mean, so, so yeah, they're not they're all dicks. For, so they're not for innocent boys who just kind of would lead down the garden path, like no sort of signs of anything like this. Like, no, they were violent. They were troublemakers. Like criminals escalate yeah, to. And, but, it's like drug addicts. They all escalate but it's, to a certain point. Yeah, but it's not even that. It's like, yeah, they've all they're all violent and they've got criminal records already. But the cu- what we're about to go into, the things that they've done, you would, it's unbelievable. Okay, I'm not ready for this, Grace. Okay, well, we're going to get into it. So hold on to your hats, ladies and gents. It's about to go down. <laughs> so at around 3am, after they'd kidnapped Junko, Miano took her to a nearby park where Minato, Ogura and Wanatabi were waiting. They had learnt her home address from a notebook in her backpack and they had told her that they knew where she lived and that Yakuza members would kill her family if she ever tried to escape from them. The four boys overpowered her, obviously, and took her to a house in the Yasa district in Adachi and gang-raped her. The house, which was owned by Minato's parents, soon became their regular gang hangout. So they take Junko to Minato's house you know, we just mentioned it. They, yeah, his his room and his elder brother's room were upstairs. They were up in the top of the house. His parents never went up there because they were so fucking terrified of him. And that's where they took Junko. Yeah. So on November the twenty seventh, two days after Miano had kidnapped Junko, 
Her parents contacted the police about her disappearance. Why it would take you two whole days to tell them that your daughter had gone missing, that I don't know. I don't know. Unless they have different like laws over there. So yeah. like here it's twenty four hours, maybe it is a forty eight hour thing over but there. But in the grand scheme of things, it makes no difference. No. To discourage further investigation, the kidnappers forced her to call her mother and say that she'd run away, but she was safe and staying with friends. They also forced Junko to stop the police investigation. When Minato's parents were present, Junko was forced to act as his girlfriend. But they dropped the, pre- the pretense really quickly when it became clear that Minato's parents didn't really give a shit and they weren't going to report him to the police. The Minatos, when later questioned, stated that they didn't intervene because they were aware of Miano's Yakuza connections and they feared him and also feared their own son. Now, I mean, I've part of me feels like... I mean, I'm not a parent, so I can't really have an opinion. Well, I can. But... <laughs> I get if you're scared of the Yakuza. Like, I mean, I can't even comprehend that. It must actually be kind of scary. But he's your fucking son. Yeah, you should never be scared of your own children. And he's holding someone hostage in your house. Yeah. What the so, fuck? I know they have connection to the Yakuza, but they are, are they officially members of the Yakuza? I don't even know. It doesn't. It doesn't state anywhere that he was a member of the Yakuza. He might have been like initiate be becoming initiated into it i don't know because he's he's only like 16 17 at the time yeah so maybe he's not like an official member yet but who knows okay so the group held junko captive at the monato resident for 40 days during these 40 days they abused raped starved and tortured her to no end they also invited and encouraged other yakuza friends to torment and rape her Possibly more than a hundred men. According oh to their God. trial statements, the four of them raped her over four hundred times. They beat her, hung her from the ceiling, used her as a literal punching bag, dropped barbells on her stomach, forced her to eat cockroaches, drink her own urine, and forced her to dance and sing for them. How did this girl last for forty days? <sighs> Mate, I don't know. They inserted many objects into her vagina and her anus, including light bulbs and literally fucking fireworks. They burnt her vagina with cigarettes and lighters and her eyelids with hot wax. (gasps) They tore off her left nipple with pliers and pierced her breast with sewing needles. Oh my god. I know. Junko was said to slip into unconsciousness because of the repeated assaults leading them to dunk her head into buckets of water every time so they could continue. When her body was eventually found, her face was unrecognisable. She had to be identified through dental records, and she was actually pregnant at the time she was found. I'm sorry, so it's one thing to just, like, kidnap and rape and then kill, but you are torturing another human being for 40 days. And you are obviously getting enjoyment out of it. That's like, it's obviously not normal to kill and rape anyway, but that's even more away from normal. You know what I mean? That's like, you will have needed professional help earlier on. You know what I mean? You're not just a a misfit, naughty boy. I don't even want to talk about it, but I I feel like I need to. The, The physical strength you have to have to literally rip someone's nipple off oh my god it makes me feel sick 
my boobs hurt right now. Is that TMI? I feel like nothing's TMI it's so right bad, now. Isn't it? But there's nothing that's, that's TMI right now. That's just awful. So yeah, for forty days. Like, am I gonna get angry yeah. at the end of this? Is justice served, or am Probably. I gonna get very angry? I would not say justice was served. Oh, okay, right. Here we go. So. Some of the accomplices have been officially identified, like more than just the four boys, including uh, Tetsuo Nakamura, Nakamura and Kochi Ihara, who were charged with the rape of Junko after their DNA was found on her. Ihara okay. was allegedly bullied into raping Junko, but I mean... Rape's rape. I don't believe that. Yeah. After he left the Minato household... Um, Ihara, this is, he told his brother about the incident and his brother told his parents who decided to contact the police. This is what's going to annoy you, Lydia. So this bit's going to annoy you. Okay. So Ihara's parents contacted the police and two police officers were dispatched to the Minato house. However, they were informed that there was no girl inside and the police officers declined an invitation to look around the house, believing that an invitation alone was sufficient proof that there was nothing untoward to be found. Are you fucking kidding me? And this was literally like 10 days in. I'm sorry, but you want to be a job's worth at that point. You want to do everything possible to say, yeah. actually, yeah, there was nothing because there. Because it's not even... It's not even like, oh, like I can hear a disturbance or, oh, you know, there's like a girl that I don't recognise. She keeps going in and out of the house. He's saying, I was forced to rape this girl. Yeah. They're holding she her She is being tortured. Yeah. So they both deserve officers to received backlash. Obviously, they received backlash. Um, had they just searched and located Junko, she would have been found um, and she would have recovered from her injuries and she would have survived. So they yep. were fired, obviously, for failing to follow procedure. But yeah. Oh, I just, I hate people. The more we learn yeah. about shit like this, the more I realise I just fucking hate people. I know. And it's <laughs> going to get worse. Oh, okay. So. At the beginning of December, Junko attempted to call the police. However, Miyano caught her before she could say anything. And when the police phoned back, Miano informed them that the original emergency call was a mistake and told them not to worry. As punishment for this, Junko's attacker doused her legs and feet in lighter f- fluid and set them on fire. They also pushed a large bottle into her anus, causing severe internal bleeding. She reportedly went into convulsions. During their trial, they stated that they thought she was faking a seizure, so they set her on fire again. Oh my god, I hate these boys. I hate them so much. <laughs> How could you... She's faking a seizure, so... Oh, do you know what we'll do to get her out of that? We'll set her on fire again. Oh. She's trying to mug us right off here, lads. Let's teach her a lesson. Yeah, let's set her on fire. God forbid so, she is faking fine. a seizure so that you stop torturing her. Like... It's not mm. right that she's doing everything possible to keep herself alive right now. Like, okay. I do not agree with the death penalty, but these boys deserve the death penalty, okay? Okay. Junko survived these injuries and continued to be raped and tortured. She is reported to have asked her captors on multiple occasions to just kill her and get her over with, but they refused. 
Instead, they forced her to sleep outside on the balcony during winter time and locked her in a freezer. One of the kidnappers told the court that her hands and legs were so badly damaged towards the end that it took her over an hour just to get down the stairs to the toilet. Due to the severity of the torture, Junko eventually lost bladder and bowel control and was then also also beaten for urinating on the floor. She was also unable to drink water or eat any food and would vomit immediately afterwards, which also then led to beatings. This fucking girl had no chance, really. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely no chance. Junko's appearance was drastically altered from the brutality of her attacks and captivity. Her face was so swollen that it was difficult to make out her features. Her body was severely crippled, giving off a rotten smell that had caused the four boys to lose sexual interest in her. Right, so that that's what caused them to lose sexual interest in her, not the fact that you're beating this poor girl up and torturing her. They're like, incapable of seeing that they're doing something wrong. They obviously don't care. Like, God, I honestly, I can't even in my head imagine what she looked like from all the torture mm. and they still there found... is i'm like i'm not gonna say to go and google it but there is pictures of her face i think they're obviously photos that the boys have taken but she just looks like oh okay as a result the boys kidnapped and gang raped a 19 year old woman who like junko was on her way home from work. On January the 4th, 1989, after losing a game of Mahjong... Oh, I've played that before. Have you? Yeah. Miyano decided to vent his anger on Junko. At this point, she was barely alive. Out of frustration, the boys beat her with an iron barbell, kicked and punched her, and placed two short candles on her eyelids burning them with hot wax. They made her stand, striking her feet with a stick. At this point, sorry, I am just keep thinking, the parents are in that house. Mm. You will be, you will hear all this going on. And you're okay with it. I don't give a fuck what connections one of the lads have. I'm getting the police around there and Mm. sorting you out. Or I'm going to sort you out myself. Like... They're just as to blame. They should they should have been tried as accomplices, if you ask me. I don't know whether they were, but that's my judgment. At this point, she fell onto a stereo unit and collapsed into a fit of convulsions again. Since she was bleeding profusely and pus was emerging from her infected burns, the four boys covered her hands in plastic so that her pus wouldn't get onto their hands. Oh, God forbid they get a bit dirty. They continued to beat her and dropped an iron exercise ball onto her stomach. They poured lighter fluid onto her thighs, arms, face and stomach and set her on fire once again. Junko allegedly made attempts to put out the fire, but gradually became unresponsive. The attack lasted two hours and Junko eventually died. Don't you almost feel like, like a sigh of relief that she died? Yeah, it sounds like horrible to say, but yeah. Because it was never going to end. That was never going to end. No. 40 days. It was and never going to end until she was dead. They think, she's, they think she's safe and she's gone somewhere. 
It's so bad. I think this is the worst case we've done. <laughs> I know, it's pretty awful. Less than 24 hours after her death, Nobuharu's Minato's brother called to tell him that Junko appeared to be dead. Afraid of being penalised for murder, the group decided to get rid of Junko's body. I mean, penalised, mate, you murdered her. <laughs> like, it's black and white. Right. You're going to get judged like, either way. Now they're scared. Suddenly, suddenly now they're scared of something, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. They wrapped her body in blankets and shoved it into a travel bag. Like, I don't know how tall or whatever she was, but if she's not been fed properly for 40 days or drank, she's going to be bone. Mm. Nothing. There's nothing going to be other. Yeah, but I mean, to, yeah, to, I mean, to fit into a travel bag, you've got to be little. Yeah. Yeah. But even more so, she'll just be, there'll be nothing there. Like... Yeah. From his former employer, Miano borrowed the cement mixer and a truck and took them to his home. They got his oil drum, which was used as a litter bin in the neighbourhood, and they placed the travel bag into the drum, threw some concrete blocks in and filled the drum with concrete. At around 8pm, they loaded it onto the truck and they planned to drop it into the sea, but eventually disposed of the drum into a cement truck in Tokyo. Isn't it mental when you look at, like, when you read, like, true crime cases, like, it seems like people 95% of the time are caught out of sheer luck. Mm-hmm. It's coincidence, like, yeah. Like, they were going to drop her into the sea. If they dropped her into the sea, you would never have found that. No. Especially, well, yeah, it's concrete, so it's going to sink, like. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's awful, isn't it? Hmm. On January the 23rd, 1989, Miano and Agora were arrested for gang rape of the 19-year-old woman who they had kidnapped in December. On the 29th of March, two police officers came to question them as women's underwear had been found at their address. During the interrogation, one of the officers led Miano to believe that the police were aware of the murder, thinking that Agora had confessed to the crimes against Junko. Miana told the police that where to find the body. He obviously thought that if he just opened up, he'd get lesser sentence or whatever. Like hmm. the police were initially puzzled by the confession, as they had been referring to the murder of a different woman and her seven-year-old son that had again occurred nineteen days before Junko's abduction. This case still remains unsolved. The police found the drum containing Junko's body the following day. Her body was badly decomposed as she had been dead for two months. She was severely malnourished and her face was unidentifiable. She was identified via fingerprints and on April the 1st, 1989... Why does everything happen on April the 1st? Oh my god, I actually thought that the other day. Why does all this stuff happen on my birthday? Because I... (laughs) I've actually, I've done the research that we've done for our other podcast that like we're going to do next week or whenever. Something happens on the 1st of April then as well. Yeah. I think people just get a bit loopy four months into the year. Honestly, it's April Fool's Day. Something's in the air. Yeah. On April the 1st, 1989, Joe Agura was arrested for a separate sexual assault and subsequently Junko's murder. The arrest of Yasushi Watanabe and Nobuharu Minato and Minato's brother quickly followed. So now they're not hanging so about this is arresting another, them. 
yeah, so firstly, they didn't drop it into the sea. They left it in a um, in a cement truck in Tokyo. So that is pure chance. You, If they dropped into the sea, you never found it. But also, they weren't actually even looking for her. No. Miano's just been a fucking idiot and confessed to it because he's dumb. And they've got caught, like, by pure chance. That, if, the, if, if you don't believe in karma, this will make you believe in it. Yeah. Well, kind of, because let's get on to the prosecution now. And Lydia, mm. you're not going to be happy. Oh, God, just be prepared for a rant, guys. Yeah. So, despite the brutality of their crime, the identities of the boys were sealed by the court as they were all considered to be juveniles at the time of the crime. Journalists from the Shukan Bunshan magazine discovered their identities and published them. They stated that given the severity of the crime, the accused didn't deserve to have the right to anonymity upheld. We got there eventually, I said the word. (laughs) I think that's true. You don't have the right to be anonymous. See, we talked about this last time, didn't we? Like, I can't even remember what my they... opinion. I can't remember what my opinion was for the Jamie Bulger case. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I think it was more me constantly talking about my opinion because I do that sometimes. But <laughs> I think I don't know because last week I said that by the judge saying that Venables and Thompson's identity should be announced was more your giving them a life sentence even once they've done their time. You know what I mean? Mm. When really the the justice system is you do a crime, you get punished, you do your time, and then you're rehabilitated. Sometimes that doesn't work, sometimes it does, right? To then take away that anonymity from children is like you're still giving them a life sentence. So I don't I, I don't really know what to think about it, but I think in this case you fully deserve to yeah. give people to know who you are. But yeah. I don't know. It's a hard one, isn't it? Because, but I also think in my mind, like there's a big difference between John Venables and Rob Thompson who were 10-year-olds and these boys who were between 16 and 18. Maybe that's mm. I mean that's just my personal opinion, but to me there's a big difference there. And also, I think the fact that a magazine found their identities and published them, it's kind of different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think because this crime had the sexual element to it, like proven, because they were questioned about it, weren't they, Venables and Thompson? But I think with yeah. this, it's proven that it has the sexual element because she was raped. That adds a lot into yeah. it as well. So they got graphic gratification yeah. from this. They got they got off on it. Like, and it's, it's also ongoing torture yeah yeah it's not like oh fuck i accidentally fucking killed someone oh my god it's mm. i'm ta- i'm going to kidnap you keep you in my house and torture you for 40 days and i'm going to take like gratification from it yeah so uh, the four boys all pled guilty to committing bodily injury that resulted in death rather than murder in July ni- 1990, a lower court sentenced um, Hiroshi Miyano, the alleged leader of the crime, to 17 years in prison. He appealed his sentence, um, but the Tokyo High Court judge, Ruji San- Sanasi, sorry, sentenced him to an additional three years in prison. 
okay that's okay i was like oh god what's going on here he was like you've had 17 years and then the guy was like "Mm, i don't think i deserve that and the guy was like yeah you're right you deserve another three years (laughs) yeah no actually you deserve more yeah and that's also a recurring theme so it's it makes me laugh really this judge is like no fuck you you're gonna get extra time all of the all of the boys i think get extra time um so the 20-year sentence is the second highest sentence given in Japan before life imprisonment, okay. which is mad. I mean, I'd love to read about what the highest sentence given before life imprisonment was. I'm sure yeah. it's mental. He was 18 at the time of the murder. Um, um, Miyano's mother reportedly paid 50 million yen in compensation ordered by the civil court after selling their family home. Are those, is it Miyano's parents who, it was his house? No. Okay. So that's Minato's parents. Okay, yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's Miano's parent, uh, Minato's parents. So Miano's mum's got nothing to do with it, but she was obviously okay. ordered to pay compensation. Um, on January, in January two thousand thirteen, Miano was rearrested for fraud, but was released without charge later that month due to lack of evidence. So he got released in around two thousand and ten. Which is scary. He's been out in the community for 11 years now. It's scary to think, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Especially with him being the leader of the pack. No, Minato was the leader of the pack. Oh, sorry. I know, it's confusing. I, it I know, it's confusing. Yeah. But yeah, it's scary. Oh, no, wait, you're right. Yeah, Miano was the leader. Sorry. Okay. So yeah, this guy, like, planned it. He should have got life. Like... I don't know why you I think they all... Life. Yeah. But... I don't know. I don't know the Japanese um, system, so yeah, it's not really. To be fair, I don't really know the English system. (laughs) (laughs) I claim like I do, (laughs) but so um, Nobu, Nobu, Nobuharu Minato, Minato was originally received um, a four to six year sentence, but he was resentenced for five to nine years by the same judge upon appeal so he appealed it as well i like this judge i know and got more time (laughs) he was 16 at the time of the murder minato's parents and brother were never charged such a failing i'm just gonna such a failing leave that to float in the air like the bad fart that it is like they can't have not known you know what i mean like there's no way there's no way you didn't know that was happening or something bad was happening because there's no way she would have been quiet through those beatings and that torture so junko's parents obviously were dismayed at the sentences received by their daughter's killers um and they won a civil suit against the parents of minato whose home the crimes were committed in Mm. um after release, Minato moved in with his mother, and he's never worked since. And in 2018, obviously. he was obviously in 2018 he was arrested again for attempted murder after beating a 32-year-old man with a metal rod and slashing his throat with a knife. All round oh good guy, ten out of ten. People, they raged you well. I don't know whether they do it in Japan, but why weren't they tried as a group? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Yeah, it's because they would have been here, wouldn't they? Like, yeah, yeah, more than likely. Yeah, Yasushi Watanabe, who was originally sentenced to three to four years in prison, received an upgraded sentence of five to seven years. Again, he was seventeen at the time of the murder, 
And since he's got out, there's no information on him whatsoever. Okay. So we hope that they've been re- rehabilitated. They're still pieces of shit, but we hope that they've been rehabilitated. Well, I mean, the others Minato, still... Minato hasn't because he's been... He's... No, that's what I'm saying. So at least with uh, Yasushi, we hope he's been rehabilitated and yeah. he's a semi-decent person. Pillar of society, no doubt. But maybe he's just not been caught. <laughs> exactly. For his role in the crimes, Joe Ogaru, Ogara, sorry, served eight years in a juvenile prison before he was released in August 1999. He was 17 at the time of the murder. After his release, he is said to have boasted about his role in the kidnapping, rape and torture of Junko. And in July 2004, he was arrested again for assaulting Takatoshi Isono, who was a colleague that he thought his girlfriend might have been interested in. Because that's how you solve all your problems, apparently. Oguru had tracked Isono down, beat him, and shoved him into the back of his truck. He drove him from Adachi to his mother's bar in Masato, where he allegedly beat him for hours. During that time, Ogaru repeatedly threatened to kill the man, telling him that he'd killed before and he knew how to get away with it. He was sentenced to... Do seven- you, though? Yeah, I know. Do you? Because you got caught, so... Hmm. He was sentenced to seven years in prison for this assault, and he has since been released. Oguru's mother allegedly vandalised Junko's grave, stating that Junko had ruined her son's life and Oguru had spent all of his father's savings, money, which was supposed to go to Junko's family for compensation. So, all round, bad family. Oh my god, what a piece of shit. Can you imagine being that mollycoddled all your life that your mum blames the victim? Oh my god. That's just awful. So, but also, yeah. what is vandalizing a grave gonna do? Like, oh yeah, I'll teach you a lesson. It's just sorry, what horrible, isn't it? Like these families, it's so unnecessary. Enough. You're gonna go and then vandalize her grave. Your son raped and tortured her for forty days. It's just ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. So those were the sentences that they got. And obviously, everyone thought they were too light for the crimes they committed. And all four of the individuals were protected by special provisions applied to individuals 18 years and younger, like you'd get in um, in England. Mm. During sentencing, the judge commented that exceptionally grave and atrocious violence had been inflicted upon the victim and that Junko had been murdered so brutally at the young age of 17 that her soul must be wandering in torment. Upon hearing the details of the brutal crimes, a spectator in the gallery fainted. That doesn't surprise me. No. Junko's funeral was held on the 2nd of April, 1989. One of her friend's memorial address stated this. Jun Chang, welcome back. I've never agreed that we would see you again in this way. We will never forget you. I have heard that the headmaster has presented you with a graduation certificate so we can graduate together. All of us, John Chang. There is no more pain, no more suffering. Please rest in peace. I got chills. I know. So sad. Oh my God. So, that's that. (laughs) That is that. I mean, to be honest, we can never do a true crime podcast or cases like this or ever and ever have any hope for humanity. 
like so I don't know why I'm surprised at why I'm so shocked I know and then also (laughs) I feel like we end our podcast and it's like it's almost like you you feel like there should be a happy ending but there's never a happy ending in our podcast like but but it's also that it's not a movie most of the time the person being kidnapped and tortured and stuff isn't gonna get this miraculous escape and either come back and get revenge on a kidnapper or get justice or totally reinvent themselves that's it's not a movie you know what i mean i think that crime movies and things like that have just put a little space in our mind that we can always hope for a happy ending even when we're reading a true crime case i know sorry like but we hope there's happy endings but (laughs) Unfortunately, so far, there isn't. Yeah, we'll let you know when there is going to be one, but probably won't be for Yeah. <sighs> but yeah, I mean, it's a horrible, horrible story, but it's very, very... It's strange that I've never heard of it before we researched it. Mm. And I can't imagine, I wonder, like, if when it happened, was it worldwide? Like, was it on the news? Uh, I don't know. Well, we weren't born when it happened, were we? Because it's the kind of crime where you would think that it would be. Yeah, but you know what freaking Western news media is like? We don't... Nothing is really covered anywhere other than Europe and the US in this country. It's rare that it's covered anyway. But, yeah. So that is the... Kidnap and murder of Junko Ferratu. Pretty gruesome. If you're still with us, then thank you. Um, we will be back next week with an equally horrific true crime podcast, I'm sure, because we can't stay away from the gruesome and the gory. Um, yeah, if you liked this yeah. podcast or if you liked any of the other ones that we do, I know liked is probably a strong word. If they entice Found you interesting. and you, then... Um, yes. Please follow us on Instagram at Everything with the Girls Podcast uh, Pod, and um, leave us a review because we have two at the moment, I think, and I'd love to read some more that aren't from just my family. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Obviously, you can find us on Apple or Spotify podcasts, and we will be back next week, and we shall see you then. Yes. Bye. Bye.